But I, you don't make very much money from the creator fund. I was wrong in thinking like, and they're also, they don't give you any like directions. Like it's just like you're paid like a random amount of day. So like there would be days I'd be paid $5 and then there'd be days where I'm paid like $100 from the creator fund. And I, and I couldn't ever like, I thought it was all um, based on whether you had a video go viral. But I've recently realized that what they actually reward is the amount, the quantity of videos you're producing a day. Hi, welcome back to the Well Now What podcast. I'm your host, Savannah. I always do these intros so late at night, so my voice is so raspy because I'm so tired. But happy Monday. Of course, I'm releasing this bright and early on a Monday morning. I hope your week is going to go well so far, but I have a really fun guest on this week, as you can tell by the title. Her name is Lydia Keaton, if you don't know her. Um, She's a digital creator, she's a writer, she's a comedian. I found her through TikTok and we talk a lot about, you know, gaining fame on TikTok and social media apps. So if you haven't heard of Lydia, you should definitely follow her on TikTok if you have TikTok. She's also on Instagram and YouTube, but her content is so funny. It's a mix of just like story times, uh, getting ready, running, uh, mini vlogs. She really inspires people to start running, especially like she's gotten on this fitness train. Um, but it's really funny, really relatable. So I highly recommend checking her out. And if you're new to the podcast and you're like, who the hell are you? Um, as mentioned, I'm Savannah. I'm from Vancouver. I'm the host of this podcast. It's the genre of the podcast is kind of just like, well, now what? Uh, originally, it started with well, now what? Like post grad, but it's kind of pivoted to the well now what moments in life uh you know whether that's changing jobs getting a new relationship starting on a new platform or like social media anything really it's just those moments that were like what are we supposed to do now so that's generally the premise of the podcast but i hope you like this episode lydia's really fun and i learned a lot about tiktok so i hope you enjoy I'm here with the talented and hilarious Lydia Keaton. Lydia is an LA-based writer, performer, and digital creator. Her writing has appeared in the LA Weekly and the NPR member station. And I actually found her through this little app called TikTok, some of you guys may know. And most of the time when I first went on to the app, it was a lot of like 15, 16 year olds with a lot of thirst traps, unfortunately. (laughs) And then finally, I, I found one of Lydia's videos on my feed and she was trying on this super cute outfit um, and she was running like a half marathon, which was crazy. Mm -hmm. And then I found all the rest of her videos. They were so funny and she made me want to start running. And like, I'm not a runner at all. I'm like, oh my God, like just watching them was, was amazing. So I absolutely love her content and her positive attitude. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, I love you for having me. Oh, that's so sweet of you to say. And I'm, um, it makes me so happy to hear that it inspired you to want to start running. Um, Mm -hmm. It's like my favorite side effect of being like a social media creator. Mm -hmm. So why don't, you know, before we get into what you do now, um, why don't we get into kind of like your childhood and what it was like leading up to college. So were you always, um, I guess, like athletic? Were you always outgoing or kind of like let the audience know what you were like kind of as a kid? Um, yeah, I think I always like I always loved sports. I like wasn't super coordinated. Like I did kind of the traditional sports um, in middle school, soccer and basketball. I loved basketball, but I was never like the star athlete. But my parents always like were they wanted my brother and I to play sports and um, just like as having like a healthy extracurricular lifestyle because they played them growing 
growing up being out like to I think your question is kind of two-tiered so they're like mm-hmm. athletic yes I think I was always athletic then when I was in high school that's when I started getting into rowing which is like basically there is obviously a lot of like technique to it but really the crux of rowing is being able to like it's an endurance sport so it's just being able to <laughs> endure pain for a long <laughs> period of time and like that doesn't require like a ton of agility uh or like necessarily like conventional athleticism so that was just like a sport that I really latched onto it also like I found a wonderful community with crew and so I that I really excelled with rowing and then ended up getting recruited in rowing division one in college but to answer your question about whether I was outgoing I think like and I think this is I would say a bit gendered as like a young woman growing up. Like, I think I always had a big personality and then you go through that phase in puberty where I think we internalize, or at least I internalized this idea that like, oh, it's unattractive to have too big of a personality. And this, I feel like that starts at like a really young age. So I think like, I kind of was like, okay, better to be like, just like kind of on the quieter side. So I think there was probably a period of my childhood where I like, if you like ever spoke to someone who knew me during that period, they'd probably be like, oh no, Lydia wasn't like funny. Lydia wasn't outgoing. (laughs) Um, But that's like, I think in like retrospect, because I was like actively suppressing that kind of innate part of my personality. And then also like, it's interesting. I, I uh, was just talking to someone who knows a mutual friend of mine, or I, we have like a mutual acquaintance who knew me in college and was like, yeah, Lydia does social media now. I like never would have guessed it. She seemed so normal in college. <laughs> and that like kind of cracks me up because I think in college, it just like when, when you're a D1 athlete, like I think it kind of is all consuming and mm-hmm. um, crew, especially like it's, it's a sport where we practice twice a day, pretty much all year round. Like we didn't really have an off season. So there wasn't much opportunity to explore other parts of myself. And I like, I always, yeah. So I went to Yale and Yale has this phenomenal, like comedy scene. There's such incredible improv groups and sketch comedy groups. And I would go to all of their shows and it was this thing where I was like, gosh, so I always like thought like the people who did comedy were like the coolest people ever, but I like really othered myself from them. I'm like, I'm just kind of like an athlete and they're Mm -hmm. like the funny artsy people. And I, I didn't really have the time to really explore like my comedic creative side in college because I was rowing so much. And then, yeah. And then I moved to LA and I didn't do stand up until two years living in LA. I moved to LA to be a comedy writer, which is still, I feel like a behind the scenes kind of approach to performance and comedy. And then finally mm-hmm. I was like, mm, no, I like really just want to be funny in front of people and make them laugh. So yeah, that's a long winded answer to your question. Yes. But. Wow. Okay. So Yale, I didn't realize you went to Yale. That's, that's really prestigious and exciting. Um, I know with like, yeah, for me, I was a competitive dancer for a really long time. And then that was kind of my identity. I didn't dance in, in college, but in high school, it was like, you know, every single day, just intense dancing. And when it was time mm-hmm. to go to college, I was like, who am I outside of dance? So for you, for rowing, um, you know, when you when you finished up at college, like, did you feel like you were trying to maybe like find yourself? Did you struggle with finding your identity? Yeah, I definitely felt it was exciting because I kind of mm-hmm. felt I was like, wow, this is the first time in my adult life where I'm like, I really get to define myself when previously up until literally graduating Yale, I felt like I had been defined by uh, the groups I belonged to mm-hmm. primarily like the one singular group, which was the crew team. So I was really moving to LA and like feeling like I was like embracing this new, embracing this new identity. And I didn't even know what that identity was, was 
was super exciting. But then I think as time went on, I realized it was actually quite hard because so much of my identity had been rooted in crew. And also just like, like little, like little things like the, um, you know, when you are a elite or when you're like a competitive athlete at the collegiate level, mm-hmm. like your, your body looks a certain way. And like, I think sp- especially as like a woman, but I th- I don't know if it's necessarily gendered. Like I, I like realized I derived a lot of my confidence from being this like very athletic, strong looking person. And then I was like, I really tried to like push myself away from being an athlete because I felt like I had to like abandon athletics altogether to really discover my true self. And that was like really hard. And I want to, I like, this is something I've been thinking about a lot recently because obviously my content is now like, it's kind of a fitness account in a weird, like in a way that I like really (laughs) didn't intend it to be like somehow, no matter how much I try to be like (laughs) whatever a comedian or other things, I end up still being an athlete. But like recently I've kind of been loving that part of myself like recently as in the past year it hasn't been like Mm -hmm. past two weeks but like more I think I've kind of started more to embrace like oh okay I am like inherently an athlete so Mm -hmm. instead of like trying to hide that aspect of myself why not embrace it and incorporate into these other parts my identity that are more recent like being a comedian a storyteller and I get I do obviously like dabble in experimental fashion so Mm -hmm. just kind of embracing all those things because I think there is a lot of a pressure especially on TikTok there's Mm -hmm. a pressure to be singular and one-dimensional and like you know the you look at an account that goes viral and it's like they do one thing and like that's Mm -hmm. their thing that's their brand and I think my account's like a little bit kind of unique not to like to my own Mm -hmm. I'm not even trying to like it's not even a flex but like I do think I do a couple of different things on my account like 100 yeah someone who like I'm not like a TikTok like user I'm more like a watcher and Mm -hmm. or an audience member I guess whatever uh and seeing your content's so refreshing. So you started off more as like storytelling, telling your stories, telling people's stories, which was so different. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah. So how did you kind of transition more into like little fitness videos of vlog kind of style? Um, mm-hmm. Did it just come naturally or like, and also, I'm also really curious about your origin story of like, how did you got started on TikTok? Yeah. Okay. Well, so if that, like the answer is those, the answer to both those questions are tied together. Mm -hmm. I got started on TikTok, like at the very, very beginning of the pandemic Mm -hmm. when like I was obsessed with stand-up comedy, doing it every night. This was pre COVID. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, oh shit. And I was like very naive and like, I was like, it's, it, comedy's going to be back in a few weeks. Like I got to keep my comedic muscle fresh because I really do mm-hmm. believe like being funny is just like a trained muscle. It's like, it's okay. not like, you know, people think like you're either funny or not. I think you can like very much learn to be funny. <laughs> and so I was, I felt like my comedic muscle was really strong at the time because I'd been going to so many open mics and then COVID happened. So I was like, okay, the way I'm going to keep my comedic muscle strong is by doing comedy on the internet. And so my first viral TikTok was me doing, basically, I knew that like, I just had like this intuition that me doing my stand-up bits, like my refined stand-up bits that I've been working on for a long time, just like speaking mm-hmm. into the camera was not going to be enough for like, for success on the internet. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I have to do one other thing. So that's where I came up with the makeup. And so I was just like, my first successful video was me basically reciting my stand-up material while putting on makeup and Mm -hmm. so it was obviously funny because stand-up is a funny um craft and I that's what I kept doing I just kept doing my stand-up jokes while putting on makeup and then I started to realize the the jokes not all the jokes did 
um, like went viral. So I was like, the ones that did well were the ones that had like a narrative arc to them and were like stories. And so then I only, but then I ran out of material because I only had like 10 minutes of stand up material. Like yeah. I had worked <laughs> on it for like a year and a half and I only had like maybe a tight 10. Mm-hmm. So I ran out eventually. And then I was like, okay, got to come up with more stories. So then I kind of started telling scary stories. And then the scary stories started getting more views than the funny ones. And I kind of fell into this trap that like, I wish I hadn't, but whatever I did, where I was like making content for the sake of like virality and getting a lot of views instead of making the content that I like really wanted to make. Cause mm-hmm. honestly, it didn't bring me a lot of joy to be telling scary stories, but I was like, they get views and that's how my account grows. So I'll just keep doing that. And then mm-hmm. people started submitting me stories because I, I like put out, I was like, cause I was like running out of material. So I was like, if you guys want to send me <laughs> stories to do, and then like people would send me all sorts of stories and like some of them would be so dark and disturbing and I was like what am I doing like like, (laughs) why am I on the internet reading these like terrible things that like people claim are true stories that have happened to them and then I'm like putting on makeup like (laughs) telling them so I just kind of got to this point where I was like ah this is not making me happy like this is not bringing me joy like I I, it like took so much energy for me to make like one TikTok a week and like usually that TikTok would do pretty well because I was like following this like formula of like telling like kind of like a cliffhanger story while putting on makeup but then I just started I there were some other creators like I really always like my FYP which is if you're not familiar with TikTok like is (laughs) basically your feed that um, TikTok curates for your preferences it always had a lot of like fashion creators on it because I Mm -hmm. think TikTok sensed that I watched those videos and like a lot of those videos were like get ready with me videos where people were putting together like cool little outfits and I just was like you know what maybe I'll try to do that and I just started doing the things that I like actually enjoyed doing and putting them on TikTok and then that ended up becoming my new brand thank god because I hated (laughs) the story times by the end incredible so would you say this is like is this like a full-time role? Like, I don't know how, how people get paid with TikTok. I think in the States there's like a creator fund, but I think in Canada there isn't, but do you kind of mind explaining, you know, how you get an income from TikTok? Yeah. So there's the TikTok creator fund, which I got into the creator fund. uh, I think in the summer when I maybe had like a 300k followers so you know like the threshold isn't like I mean I guess that is kind of high but like it wasn't super super high but I you don't make very much money from the creator fund I was wrong in thinking like and they're also they don't give you any like directions like it's just like you're paid like a random amount of day so like there would be days I'd be paid five dollars and then there'd be days where I'm paid like a hundred dollars from the creator fund and I and I couldn't ever like I thought it was all um based on whether you had a video go viral but I've recently realized that what they actually reward is the amount, the quantity of videos you're producing a day. So like mm-hmm. if I'm putting out like 15 videos a day, I'm going to get probably paid. Like, I think I'd probably get paid more if they got a lot of views, but they're, they're going to pay me more because I just, instead of producing like three viral videos, I think, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like, you know, TikTok's kind of sketchy, honestly. Um, so the creator fund is not my bread and butter. That's just like, feels like a little money that I make on the side. Being a digital creator is my full-time job now. Mm -hmm. Although I very much like, I wish I want to like talk on about this more because I, I, being like a young 
and growing digital creator myself. Like I always wish I, there was like a resource I could figure out like how much should I be charging brands, like Mm -hmm. all that stuff. But I had the luxury, I like moved home because of COVID and didn't have to pay rent. So I had this like wonderful luxury of like not being in a financial bind and being able to grow my account without being like, well, how am I going to pay rent this month? Hello, I just wanted to pop in and say that I'm planning on doing a funny date story episode with a friend of mine. So if you could submit a funny date story, and this could be good dates, bad dates, embarrassing, kind of anything goes. So submit one on Instagram at well now what podcast. I'd love to hear it. And of course, it'd be anonymous. So that I really appreciate all your help. And let's get back to the episode. But I now I'm at the point where I could, you know, live, move anywhere and like be able to sustain myself from TikTok. But yeah, most the the way you make money is like brands reach out to you and mm-hmm. um, you either like the, you and you you advertise their product for them. And there's like a couple different ways they pay you. Either you like make commission based on how many like sales of that product your video makes, or like they give you a flat rate, but there's a couple different ways. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I work with a content creator I mentioned earlier. His he's on mostly on YouTube on Instagram. Um, but I was, yeah, I was wondering with, with TikTok is like, are the rates better on let's say TikTok versus um, Instagram? Um, is it because it's a long form content or how do you kind of pick your, your brand sponsors? Well, I, um, I will say that like, I didn't start get like, now I get a ton of requests from, from brands. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that's because my content has switched from like the storytelling to the, um, kind of more like lifestyle type, mm-hmm. um, act, like page, because like with the storytelling, I think brands probably couldn't really figure out how their product would like fit with my content, right. but now it like. I could do a bunch of different types of products mm-hmm. that would like seemingly be like organic in my content. Mm-hmm. You know, I gra- as like a creator and like a influencer, I kind of grapple with mm-hmm. like basically just fueling like consumerism and like mm-hmm. um like the crux of what I do is like having products and convincing a bunch of other people to buy those products. Mm-hmm. And like I even just looking around my room right now, like for example, like I run in Hoka's. It's like yes. my favorite running shoe. <laughs> And Hoka just sent me like, literally, I have like seven different pairs of Hoka's oh like scattered around my room. That, and I'm like, I don't need seven pairs of Hoka's. Like, <laughs> and like, I just feel like I have so much stuff now and I'm just like mm-hmm. convincing other people to buy stuff. And I like, mm-hmm. I, so I, to answer your question about like how I choose mm-hmm. brands, I like, I try and choose brands that I like really believe in. Thankfully, like mm-hmm. I really believe in Hoka's. I had like horrible back mm-hmm. pain when running and like, I never get back pain when I run in Hoka's and also like partnering, partnering with brands that have like a sustainable sustainable mission or like Mm -hmm. just part of their yeah part of their angle is like sustainability because like I would never do like a whatever princess Polly hall or something like that you know what I mean (laughs) but yeah I don't know if I answered your question I forgot what it was (laughs) no no that was it and yeah I'm I'm wondering because like when you you first talked about when you're doing some of the stories you kind of when you were doing stories you're like I want to get more views or you know get more viral what about now where do you find your inspiration because obviously you know you got to pay the bills Mm -hmm. um you know it's good to create content that you know will get views and stuff but how do you balance writing or producing content that you personally want to do versus what will bring more money? Well, thankfully what I want to do and what brings a lot of views are very much Mm -hmm. aligned right now. Um, And this might be like a little honeymoon phase because Mm -hmm. like, yeah, recently, like the videos that I think are like, people are really into the running um, Mm -hmm. my like running 
TikTok. And like, it's weird. Cause I'm like a very average runner. Like I no, you're I, not. I <laughs> no, you're not. I have seen you on Zara, but like your stats and I'm like, Holy shit, this girl's fast. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I, I guess I like maybe compare myself to like all my, like, you know, I have friends who are like, Olymp- like Olympic rowers or like, you mm-hmm. know, like I come, I, I get, I think I like am surrounded by like, or I have, I have visibility to like these, like really impressive athletes and so like mm-hmm. when I run a half marathon at like an 8 30 pace I'm like mm, that's average because I like see other people like whatever who I know running at mm-hmm. like a seven minute pace or something like that but um you, you know I'm not like a professional runner like I'm mm-hmm. very much recreational mm-hmm. um and yeah so the, the anyway the running videos specifically the get ready for me with run, to run like not necessarily even the ones where I'm actually running those are the videos that have for me been the most successful recently which is great because I'm loving running right now so <laughs> right now the two go hand in hand yeah I love that and you've created such an like amazing community just with like I don't know if you were trying to but it's like so body like positive just like being comfortable in your in your own body because often on social media we see celebrities celebrities that have like a certain shape. And if you don't, you know, you don't have that, you feel kind of shitty, but with you, you're like, this is how I am. I have a normal body. Um, I'm athletic and, you know, you've created such an amazing community. So how does that, how does that make you feel? Like, I guess, did you ever expect that you would have this like fruit gang type of like community or yeah. So what are your thoughts around that? I like did not expect it. And I'm like obsessed with fruit gang (laughs) and like the people who are like members of fruit gang Um, to the point of body positivity, like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's their body positivity, I think is like a complicated subject because like as Mm -hmm. a white cis able-bodied woman, like I'm like, I do not want to take up space in the body positivity, like dialogue Mm -hmm. because that, that feels like it's separate from what I'm doing. However, I know on like an individual level, like when I'm scrolling through my page and this probably on at least a subconscious level ignited my decision to just like put my body on display more on the internet. When I saw like women who looked like me, like Mm -hmm. just like look so like just be comfortable in their skin and look so good. I I, made, it made me feel better. Cause like, yeah, you're right. Like we just see so many thin, thin, thin people. And it's Mm -hmm. like, like it can just be discouraging. And, um, like, I'm just like a very norm. I think like, a well, I mean, what is normal? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. not, I'm just not that, like that type of like models right. thin. Mm-hmm. And I think just like showing that, like just being confident in my body had mm-hmm. like, I think that makes other people just feel confident in their bodies that don't look Mm -hmm. like that, those thin, thin models. Um, and that like really makes me so happy that I can like be that on an app that Mm -hmm. like is largely like full of young, impressionable people. Um, and like to that end, like when I see people do the same thing that I'm doing it, like, I'm not always confident, even if I Mm -hmm. seem like I am on the app, on like my videos. So when I see people do the same thing, it like just makes me confident. And I think one thing that's been really cool that I've seen in the comments that I didn't even think of is like the fact that like, like I'm often in just like a sports bra or like, um, like recently I went on a vacation. I was just like in a bikini, but like, mm-hmm. so, you know, my body body's very much on display, but then I, my other videos are, are me like doing these kind of big athletic efforts, like running 15 miles or doing something like that. So I think showing like, yeah, my body looks like this and look how capable it is of doing these like incredible things. Exactly. I think that together I'm like, I think has an effect on people and 
yeah, it, it just makes me, I'm really psyched about it. And I'm, I'm like, I, I was just talking about how being an influencer can feel like kind mm-hmm. of like, oh, what am I doing? Just like fueling this like consumer mm-hmm. economy. But like the fact that I can bring that sort of confidence, like that makes it worth it. Like bringing confidence to people. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And how is this, I'm curious to know, how has this affected your personal life? Like, you know, becoming more popular online, mm-hmm. um, have people that, you know, treated you differently or yeah. Like, what is it like for you in like your personal life? Well, it's weird because I am living in like the tiniest small town in Rhode Island right now, which which is where I moved to. Like I was living in LA and um, this is where I moved like almost a year ago Mm -hmm. temporarily. I was like, I'm going to be here for three months. And now it's been almost 11 months. Um, So I'm not like directly surrounded by any close friends. Like I live with my brother Mm -hmm. and and so I sometimes get like texts. I will every like probably like once a week I get a text from a friend being like, you're famous now. Like, cause a lot of my <laughs> friends like aren't on TikTok or like, you right. know, it's like that sort of thing. But I, um, like I, w- I went to a cafe today and like the barista was like, I follow you on TikTok. And that was like one of the first times where I was like, and I, that had kind of, that sort of mm-hmm. interaction had happened. And that's because I just like, don't go out in public that much because mm-hmm. I don't know that it's like COVID it's scary. I just like stay right. home. But I was so awkward with that girl this morning. I was like, ah, <laughs> that's thanks for following me. It was, I was just weird. But like, yeah, with social life, I don't know, like it would, it will be interesting to see what will happen when I'm like actually living around friends again. And like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird to be a content creator. It can be kind of isolating and a little bit like lonely. It's, it's hard to understand if you're not in, in the industry, I think. Um, but yeah, where do you see yourself growing to on your platform or where do you hope to see yourself in the next few years with, with either TikTok or are you going to, um, start doing more stand up or like where do you hope to see yourself? Well, so I like kind of dovetailing off of like the last uh, what we were just talking about. Like mm-hmm. I definitely view what I do as like running a small business, and I think like a lot of people don't understand that like that's what social media when you're a digital creator uh, on like a professional level that's what it is. It's not just like trying to post hot pictures of yourself on the right. internet. It's mm-hmm. like it's really you're running a small business and you're like constantly like figuring out the best ways to market it. So I to answer your question, I hope mm-hmm. to grow that small business a lot. I think I'm like, I like this. I just got a manager, which I'm pumped about and she's awesome. And we're strategizing about, I'm, I'm really excited about growing my YouTube more. So nice. kind of probably like bringing more um, content to that platform. And yeah, my, I, I do like, you know, stand up is my passion and I, I like haven't done it in so long. So even the mere thought of it now, like makes me nervous mm-hmm. thinking about, um, I just like feel a little bit this hesitancy to go back to LA, which is, I, I love the comedy community there so much, but mm. I think I probably will go back. I am like first and foremost a writer and that's why I was living in LA in the first place to write right. TV shows. So I hope I sell a TV show, <laughs> but oh my you know, gosh. That's, that's so many, so many people's dreams. So we'll see. I, I don't know how mm. much my social media will help with, with mm. being a TV writer, but that's kind of the goal. That's interesting. I just yesterday I interviewed um, a TV writer. I don't know if you know her, but her name is Karina McKenzie. She wrote for like, if you know, the Vampire Diaries, the originals Mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. So she talked a lot about that industry, but it seems like it's 
really uh, difficult to get into because, you know, there's not that many spots available. And mm-hmm. I think it's a lot about who who you know. Like, honestly, it's about, like, talent as well, but a lot of, like, who your connections are. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all that. I mean, I was... And before I started doing social media, I was an assistant. Mm-hmm. That's what you have to, you have to be an assistant for like years and years and years. And then right. you get like bumped to a writer's room. And yeah, I was just talking to my old boss the other day. Cause I'm helping her with something with just a project she's working on and her, she'll probably sell a TV show in the next few months. And she's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you can be the writer's room assistant, which like before COVID that's would have been my dream job to be a writer's room assistant, because usually mm-hmm. that's like right before you get like you're usually the room's assistant and then the next if the show gets renewed for another season then you get to be in the room and I'm like god mm-hmm. I was like yeah that sounds great but then I like after I got off the phone with her I'm like could I really go back to being like someone's little bitch like that's what being yeah, an assistant is. is and like yeah he, and I was like so willing to be that for like you know I'm 26 now so I was like mm-hmm. ages 23 the 20 well 22 to 25 I was like yeah I will soak it like I will mm-hmm, be mm-hmm. that I will whatever all those things it's like but now that I'm like have this own my own like viable platform it's right. and just getting a little bit older I'm like I do not know if I can be an assistant but like really the entertainment industry is just like a battle of attrition who can like stick around the longest so <laughs> I don't know <laughs> maybe I should just stick it out and do that sort of thing yeah that's true I mean like once you start your own business it's hard to work for someone else like you're your own boss right now so I can't yeah. imagine going back <laughs> yeah, it, yeah it is and like, I really love being my own boss. Like, and mm-hmm. and it's such a stark difference between what, like, n- not the woman I was just talking about, but the person, the person I was like reporting to directly before this mm-hmm. was just so mean. Not And I like, I just can't, but like the idea that I like pandered to her, like mm-hmm. not so mm-hmm. long ago, I'm like, I could not do that. Type <laughs> of again. Like, it's just awful. And it's like emotionally yeah, totally. just like draining to like, tiptoe around other people's emotions now I'm just like "Mm, I'm I can just report to myself you just do you love that yeah yeah Yeah. amazing well I was hoping to end the episode with a few rapid fire questions if you're game to do it game yeah let's do it all right okay okay what is your fave running outfit from like top to bottom okay um well let's say it's summertime so a a skirt probably an outdoor Mm -hmm. voices skirt maybe a nike sports bra because they're pretty supportive um hair in a p- power braid a baseball hat um like mid calf socks hoka shoes sorry I like went in different directions there but um <laughs> I followed along I got it okay yeah. yeah kind of basically all the outfits you see on TikTok. yeah <laughs> love it love it okay mm-hmm. uh if you could buy any food right now what would it be probably this fruit called rambutan that is like literally heaven on oh. earth it's so good it's like similar to lychee and okay, it's my okay. favorite I like had it a lot recently in the past two weeks and I'm obsessed oh my god love that okay mm-hmm. if a movie was made of your life what genre would it be and who would play you um I think it would be a comedy maybe like an indie comedy mm-hmm. and <laughs> <laughs> wait do I like who would play me who would play me in my um like dreams like basically this is me basically saying I wish I looked like her um Mm -hmm. I wish I looked like Margot Robbie so Margot Robbie oh my gosh iconic yeah I wish I I wish I looked like Margot Robbie I know she's so cool um okay what is one thing that annoys you the most like biggest pet peeve 
I think when people aren't vulnerable, um, just because I feel like I tend to be like super vulnerable. And then like when mm-hmm. someone doesn't give that energy back to me, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, you of course you can. Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. I just find it. It's like I like when you're like really opening up to or like when you're just trying to connect with someone and they're like mm-hmm. still stuck in the pleasantries. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> I can yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Um, who do you look for for creative inspiration? um huh who do I look for weirdly like I get like a ton of creative inspiration from musicians when I myself is like am really musically incompetent so like (laughs) I'll go on to like NPR tiny desk concerts oh my gosh and like (laughs) yeah have you seen Harry Styles no oh my god you need to watch it like I'm not anti Harry Styles, but I'm like not a Harry Styles stan in the way that like mm. I feel like the world is. But yeah. I think it's only because I like see it all around me, and sometimes I have like an aversion to like becoming part of like you know being part of the a trend. But I you know admittedly he's beautiful, like a beautiful mm-hmm. specimen, very talented. So, totally. um, but no, like the Mac Miller one, like that always mm-hmm. just like, gets me in my feels. Mm-hmm. The Taylor Swift one, I True. love. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like at basically, oh, um, what's any NPR Tiny Desk concerts is yes. where I get inspiration. <laughs> I love that. Um, so following on that, who's your favorite musician or band? Phoebe Bridgers has recently been, oh, sorry, did I just leave? Um, has recently been like up there. I just think she's such a, such a queen and, mm-hmm. but like it changes so frequently. Chance the mm-hmm. Rapper, I always just like. I'm in awe of him, mm-hmm. but Phoebe really has been, really been yeah. tickling my fancy. Recently. <laughs> <laughs> She's iconic. And what do you, what do you listen to when you're running? Is it something like amped up? Is it classical music? Is it a podcast? Cause I've done like a mm-hmm. range of different things, even listening to a podcast sometimes running, it works, but sometimes it's like not the mood. So what do you listen to? Um, yeah. So it like very much varies on the distance I'm going. Mm-hmm. Um, like I find if I'm doing anything over really anything over six miles I have Mm -hmm. to break it up with like I usually do like a a few pump up songs when I start out like first 10 minutes and then Mm -hmm. then I switch to a podcast podcasts of choice are usually like um either this American life Mm -hmm. but like this American life can kind of be hit or miss like sometimes it's immediately like intriguing like you have to get one that's like easy to listen to and sometimes this American life can be like a little heady Mm -hmm. um or like the Dak Shepard armchair expert like that is a great running podcast Whitney Cummings love her Nikki Glaser like basically I listen to a lot of comics podcasts good one which is a a podcast where this guy jesse david fox interviews comedians on their jokes i love that this is obviously like very specific to me and like my mm-hmm. interest obviously comedy is like a passion of mine so i'm interested in those but i i'm a big if i'm doing a long run i'm a hundred percent listening to a podcast because i just get bored like yeah. i can't listen to music the whole time but mm-hmm. i always if i'm in the last like two miles i'll switch to music so i can like kind of have that like yeah, epic, final like <laughs> final <laughs> sprint a little bit i love the big Big booty remixes which are oh my gosh I was I was about to say like have you it's very basic but like Mm -hmm. that gets me so amped up even just working out it's just like 
I'm like, I don't even need any pre-workout. This big booty mix just like gets me going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, honestly, those are more for like before I start a run, like, right. and then in the last, or if I'm, if I'm doing sprints, that's like all I'm listening to. But mm-hmm. I listen to, I have a podcast or I have my um, Spotify as an open playlist it's called Run oh my From gosh. Your Feelings. I'll have, to, I'll have to check that out. It's very like angsty pop kind of like when I'm, I'm like a little that. bit in my feels, like that's, mm-hmm. that's my favorite type of running music. Yeah. <laughs> gosh okay I'll, I'll definitely check that out okay a few more questions um and what is your favorite tv show current i it like currently i'm just obsessed with barry um i like okay. ju- yeah it, it's i finished the last season i think it it's three seasons either two or three seasons and i know they're coming out with the next one which is either season four or season three mm-hmm. and yeah i'm just like i find bill Hader so sexy i think it's like a really it's it's a show that like really does drama and comedy so well like it doesn't the drama isn't sacrificed for the comedy and the comedy isn't sacrificed for the drama okay. highly recommend it's an hbo show it's so freaking good what's it called barry i've never barry. heard of it yeah yeah okay yeah it's so good <laughs> I'll have to check that out. Okay. And last question on my um, podcast, Instagram, I do these Friday fave things. So tomorrow I like post a bunch of like things I'm loving. So Mm -hmm. I'm wondering for you, do you have any suggestions of like something that that is your Friday fave? This can be an item of clothing, a book, a podcast, a song, anything that you'd recommend my audience check out. Um, okay. Well, I like want to say a book because I want to sound intellectual, but I feel like <laughs> you don't have like, to, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever put any of the Sally Rooney books on your Friday faves? I feel like like normal people or conversations. With I, okay. Oh yeah. Normal people. I love okay. it. And the TV okay. show as I've yeah. put the TV show on there in the book as well, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, well let's not do Sally Rooney then. Okay. Well, <laughs> I will tell you the thing that has been my shopping cart online for a while. The Paloma. Okay. So it's yep. kind of like very specific, but the Paloma wool, which is a Spanish brand. Is it the dress or is it? No, they came no. out with like new glasses that I think are so cool. Also, I can also like email you the link. Yes. But they're green. Well, I, I hope this doesn't mean they'll go out of, they'll go out of stock. <laughs> I don't know how many dollars <laughs> we have, but I need to yeah. buy a pair before they go out of stock. Yes. But they're like very serving like um like early 2000s vibes um Love yeah that. the Paloma wool what are I don't even know what they're the Grissom glasses I'll send mm-hmm. you them. I'll email you okay. yeah cool well amazing I'll definitely check it out but thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me it was lovely learning more about you and your story and I can't wait to see where your either your TikTok or your YouTube wherever it goes but I love your content as I've said before it's really like a positive um, like light on my feet that I like to see so thank you oh, again thank you for saying that and thank you for being patient with me with the, the scheduling of this um, <laughs> of course it was great chatting with you that was Lydia I'll put all her links where you can find her um, and make sure to let me know what you thought about the podcast you can follow me on Instagram at well now what podcast and subscribe on Apple podcast Spotify podcast how many times can I say the word podcast <laughs> Um, And that's it. Well, thank you for listening and I'll see you next week.